you know, we're always there and willing to, to help out and get them started. We work side by side with our electric utility. So when electricity is delivered, communications is delivered. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. And today I'm speaking with Jeff Magziman, the Telecom Director at Waverly Utilities in Iowa. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I remember not too long ago, um, I was talking with Mike Litterer um, about uh, the plan to build a network in Waverly. And I thought I had come back to check in on it. And I know that we've written about it a bit, um, but uh, a lot has happened since that plan was being developed. Um, but let's start with a, a quick reminder of Waverly uh, and um, uh, what, what part of Iowa are you in and, and what's it like around there? So Waverly's in Northeast Iowa, geographically from some of the bigger communities. We're uh, north of Waterloo, Cedar Falls by about 10, 15 miles. So Waverly's a great, uh, great location, community of a little over 10,000 people, home of Warburg College. So, and uh, a pretty good wrestling tr tradition from uh, Pee Wee through college through Warburg. Pretty good soccer program too for Division Three athletics. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I, I believe the, the high school team has won or placed pretty high from a soccer standpoint, too. Excellent. And uh, home to uh, citywide municipal fiber optics run by yeah, you. I, I left that off. So um, we can we'll talk a little bit about um, about the history. Uh, we have talked about this more in depth, so we can kind of gloss over um, the the early years. But uh, sure. as a reminder, in Iowa, you're required to have a vote to set up a telecom utility, and uh, that happened quite a while ago now. It did uh, back in 2000. There was a referendum, kind of a two part question: of Does the community want to start uh, a local? communications utility and then who should it be managed by or the actual vote was should the local electric utility manage the communications utility and both of those uh, passed with 80 plus percent uh, favorability in 2000 is a is a long time ago um, a lot of the utilities in Iowa that voted a long time ago voted in what 2004 or 2005 <laughs> so yep. you were really ahead of the game we were yep um, so what uh, what were the, the main reasons to get involved with it at that time? To seek that authorization, even though um, we'll, we'll spoil the secret that uh, it took a while before you actually used that authority. Right. So some of it could have been community envy. Um, Cedar Falls Utility, you know, it's kind of the poster child for municipal broadbands in the state and, and maybe the country. So I think we saw what they were doing and uh, probably a little bit envious or wanted to go down that same track or path. And so that was part of it. And I think just the, the need that the community identified that internet or broadband services was uh, vital in a community our size. Well, and it's funny you, you say that it might be envy involved. I wonder if Waterloo is a little envious of you now. Yeah, I, maybe, you know, <laughs> I think they're, they're doing more research to see if they can start a municipal also. Yeah, so for people who aren't familiar, you, you mentioned um, Cedar Falls certainly was a, a nation-leading network uh, built as a cable network in the 96, 97 timeframe and uh, was certainly one of the earlier ones. Uh, it was targeted many times. People have been accused it of, of being a failure, uh, despite the fact that they've 
not had any problems. They've made all their debt, pay debt payments. They've paid for their operational costs. And just about everyone in the city of Cedar Falls takes service from them. Um, right. Waterloo um, had not made its own investment, but is uh, working on that right now, has put serious money into studying the issue. So uh, for right. people who aren't familiar. Uh, but in 2013, I, I, like I said, we did an interview uh, checking in on y'all. And at that point, I think plans were being finalized. Uh, so what did you decide? And, and, and we'll talk about how it's going after that. Yeah, so our, our board made the decision to move forward with uh, uh, communications utility, actually started a task force to study it again. This is probably maybe the third or fourth study that took place since 2000. So they took the initiative to do another study and uh, created a task force, community task force. And that task force came back with a recommendation to move forward with the communications utility and the board approved that. And I think that's worth highlighting in particular because, you know, I know people like you are um, running these networks don't often want to be, you know, federal news, like national news. <laughs> you just want to do your thing, benefit the community. But like um, yeah. with the rise of more cities considering this around the country, uh, there's more claims that are being made by opponents of municipal broadband. And one of them is that communities will just jump into this. And what we see is communities will often study it and say, ah, you know what, that plan is it, still too risky. We're going to, we'll look at it again in a few years and they come back right. and they study it. That's, that's what you went through. It sounds like. Yeah. I think there was some excitement after that 2000 referendum, but when you put pencil to paper and seen what some of the costs were, I don't think the, the utility or the board was willing to put that big of an investment into it at the time. And honestly, I think since there was uh, a little bit of uh, potential competition, the providers at that time did step up and um, increase capacity or increase services, both the local cable company and the incumbent uh, local exchange company. So when you were looking at launching services, then um, if I remember correctly, you, you have a pretty significant partnership with Cedar Falls. We do. Yep. Yep. So maybe in reference, we've actually went into a partnership with a shared IPTV head end. So internet protocol TV, not Iowa public television, but um, yeah, we, we went into a partnership, you know, Cedar Falls utility had all the uh, equipment from receivers to satellites since they had been in this business before it was just a different uh, technology or protocol to deliver that TV signal. So we partnership, partnered with uh, Cedar Falls Utility. At that time, it was a 50-50 partnership. But since then, we've had other uh, municipal providers join our little consortium of IPTV providers. So it's worked out uh, really well. We didn't have to do uh, maybe a seven-figure investment into uh, a head-end uh, receivers, again, satellites, receivers, equipment to support those. And then the operating costs to have someone staffing them constantly and whatnot. Yep. So, I mean, that must make the numbers look really well when you can make it work financially when you're 50-50. And then if you get down to smaller percentages, that must be really nice. Yep. So it was, uh, I'll, I'll give our CEO uh, some kudos, you know, with that uh, relationship. And also at the time, Cedar Falls is CEO you know, to kind of have that foresight to have that conversation and have that idea and bring it forward. Yeah, and this is something that we have seen uh, some other utilities do around the nation. But I think 
Iowa was one of the earlier ones. I mean, I think Cedar Falls specifically, and you were one of the earlier ones. And it's still, uh, we've seen more of that in, in Iowa. In other places, we might see a, a, a municipal, uh, often electric um, fiber network um, yep. that expands out to one or two neighbors. Um, but this is, um, it's not only is it several cities, I imagine it'll be continuing to grow well into the future. Yeah, we'll have to see. Some some communities are opting not to do TV these days, so you never know what it's going to look like. Going into our original business plan, it's kind of interesting to go back and look at that now. Um, and this would have been in 2013, 2014. I think there was an 80% take rate for uh, triple play services, so telephone, video, and internet. And that's been kind of turned on its turned upside down. You know, the take rate for video is certainly not 80%. In our case, it's probably closer to 50%. That's still pretty good, though. Can you share uh, the take rate for your uh, your data services? So we're about 92% from the take <laughs> rate on internet services. So no, yeah. that's 92% of the people living in town take service from it? 92% of our customers oh, okay. uh, take internet services. And so that would be yep. the certainly the leading. Um, and then is telephone service something you do? I know Cedar Falls didn't for a long time. Right. Yep. We from the beginning we started providing telephone service. How popular is that? Um, it's at about a twenty five percent take rate. Cell is phone it- obviously is where I think most people go. Um, we've seen more customers maybe move to those cloud service providers. You know, during the pandemic, companies like Zoom and and Microsoft started offering. Local, they're a local telephone provider. They can port a number just like we can or any other local exchange company. Has it been important when you're looking at small business services to have that telephone service? It, it has. Yep. Yep. Certainly the main street companies, you know, where they may have one or two phone lines. It's a, a good service to be able to bundle that with internet service. And now, do you um, work with the other Iowa municipalities in terms of getting a good rate on your backhaul, on your transit costs? We, we have worked with some of the other local municipals on, you know, if there's a favorable path or we can uh, provide a path for another municipal. We've worked on, uh, on that. When I first started back in 2015, maybe 2014, th- there was... Uh, some effort to create more of a internet ring in Northeast Iowa that didn't quite take traction uh, in the scope that it was proposed, but kind of piecemeal, it started to to build itself out here over time. Yes, that was something that I was uh, very hopeful for. I thought it would have really benefited a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the communities who hadn't invested yet, and some of the ones who were just getting into it. Right. So I'm curious then, you know, you're someone that um, presumably has a lot of opportunities. I mean, when you're at that position um, of, a, of a utility, um, what, what is exciting about the job and, and providing the service? You know, I, I think our, our best differentiator is service side. I know it sounds a little cliche, but I like it when our staff go out and we get compliments from our customers. The technology is great and everything, but that's probably what brings me most satisfaction is helping out a customer, making sure that we provide good service. Again, I know it's kind of cheesy. From a technology standpoint, I, I you know, the fiber stuff is just kind of mind-blowing when you really think about it. But yeah, it, it works well and uh, the technology is pretty cool, but um, I'd say more just the interaction and customer service side. Do you get to interact with customers much or um, do you just get the after-action reports? Um, nope. I, so we're a pretty small shop, you know, with uh, probably uh, six staff. So 
Yeah, I'll I'll pick up every once in a while and take a service call. I thought so. It's um, uh, was it, there's a phrase a chief bottle washer. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Head cook and chief bottle washer. <laughs> Um, uh, can you share what uh, the take up of services in the community? We just provided our, our board some information. We're over 70% take rate from a residential standpoint and just, just shy of 80% on our business side. We feel good. You know, we've been in operation for uh, a little after five, five and a half years from activating our first customer. I feel pretty good about those numbers. Yeah, I well, always we... want it to be a little higher, but yeah, I mean, for reference, the um, if you read Wall Street reports about uh, FiOS or AT and T's fiber, CenturyLink fiber, um, there's uh, an assumption that they will usually hit about forty percent in plateau, um, and so uh, you know, seventy percent is uh, is very impressive among municipal networks that have been in operation for as long as you have. I feel like you're on the high end. Um, you know, I I think often. Municipal networks that have been in operation for eight or nine years, if they're above 60%, they're really happy. A lot of them might even be in the 45 to 50 range. So uh, yeah. it's quite good. Yeah, we feel good about it. You know, I guess on the kind of on the flip side is, you know, can you can you handle that growth if you went up from 70% to 90%? There's always a balancing act. Our first six months of operation, we, we were at 25%. So that was quite a bit of work. And each year has been uh, some work, but the number of customers activating slowed down a little bit. Do you have greenfield developments that are going in? Um, we have had a few. There's some rural areas, development areas that um, our board has approved for us to extend. So we we have. We're, I guess, pretty particular about where we go and uh, the payback and everything. But there have been a few areas where um, we've built outside of our existing territory. And that's outside of your electric footprint then? Correct. Yep. Well, that's yep. interesting. Yeah. I know I, one of the things that we hear from uh, utilities is that like you wouldn't want to take on risk because your citizens that vote for your board, um, you know, um, don't want to take on risk of building someone else because uh, it's just politically not a wise decision. Yeah. I think it would probably get a little bit riskier if you tried to go into a, a city or a township that may have some type of a franchise agreement with another provider, but we, we felt the risk was somewhat uh, low if we were going out into a rural area. Well, and now Iowa has a pretty nice program for uh, that even gives you some bonus points for being a municipal network. Uh, if you're yep. expanding and extending into those areas. Right. So I guess the, the, the thing I'm always curious about too, is um, can you share any, is there a fun anecdote or story, whether it's a business or a resident that, sort of captures the spirit of of what the service means to the community? There's a, a new business starting out. We're the ones there that are talking to them about how can we help? How can we help you be successful? We've had a few business startups, not maybe small business, you know, one or two employee, but maybe in that 10 to 12 type. And, um, you know, we're always there and willing to, to help out and get them started. I think we've heard horror stories in the past where an other providers, communications providers, uh, it could be months, if not years, where they uh, would get service or they needed to go to city council to get somebody to light a fire under the business to get something done. Same thing for uh, residential development. You know, uh, fortunately, we work side by side with our electric utility. So when electricity is delivered, communications is delivered. So um, that's 
probably been one of the, you know, more proud moments of, you know, we're not telling people they have to wait or we're not hanging them out to dry per se. If uh, they're starting up a business, we'll have service for them. We'll be working with them. And your support, do you often have situations, maybe perhaps not often, but you have situations where you have, um, you know, residents who are struggling with a technical problem that isn't your network, isn't your problem and, and your techs, I'm, I'm going to guess, go ahead and help them out anyway. We do. Yep. We try to avoid any, you know, truck roll charges as much as possible, but there are times when people struggle with some of the technology and uh, we do our best to help them out. That That line is definitely blurring, you know, I think. Uh, one thing I've told our board is most people don't call it any internet anymore. They call their internet Wi-Fi. And right. so, you know, that's that's a mindset that uh, is changing. And I think the expectation is that uh, Wi-Fi is provided by your internet service provider. And have you gone to mostly manage Wi-Fi wherever you can to avoid those truck rolls then? Um, so when we rolled out, we provided Wi-Fi as our standard internet pricing. Um, we we did start up this year with uh, kind of an enhanced uh, whole home Wi-Fi service. So we provide uh, Wi-Fi 6 modems and routers, and we provide a access device or an extender and an app to manage your own Wi-Fi network. So um, that is uh, an additional fee for us starting going forward. But yeah, we, we saw that most of the the bottleneck per se, or the capacity usage isn't necessarily to the internet, but it's within the four walls of the home mm-hmm. where uh, some customers, you know, when we look them, look them up online and try to do, do some problem resolution, some customers have 30, 40 devices that are Wi-Fi connected. Well, and I, I thought you might say also that some of them have a habit of putting the uh, Wi-Fi device in a, in a closet that's like lined with lead. Right, right. <laughs> Which we try to put it in the best place possible. Um, that mesh extender device or access point really gives us some options to improve the Wi-Fi signal or coverage. Wonderful. It's uh, it's 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 really great to hear um, these stories because you have these towns that have been overlooked by the big providers where um, you, don't, you haven't had to reinvent the wheel. You've been able to build a service, work with your neighbors on it, and it's just a model for getting things done. And so um, I'm hoping that um, one of my expectations is that as we see more municipal networks, uh, there will be many fewer um, like head ends and knocks built. They'll be working together on, on a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the conversation. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives, if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ilsr.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.